You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 203. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This, my co-host, Jason Goss. Hi. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about today. This show is spoiler-filled. If it's been released, we're probably going to talk about it. Yeah. We might at least. Yeah. Um, So... First of all, non-DC related news, guys, go check out The Tick on Amazon Prime. It is so <laughs> yeah. good. It is so good. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I never will get his name correct, but uh, Peter Serafinowicz, I think. Okay. It's close, right? Um, I don't know any of these cats. I know it's Ben Edlin, the creator. I yeah. Barry Sonnenfeld's back. Um, and you know, I actually did, I, after watching that, I still I was a little hungry for more and I went back and looked at some, uh, Patrick Warburton tick on, uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, the bit where he's talking to, uh, the terror with the prank call where he mm. calls him up and he's like, I'm old, I'm 112, let me die. And the tick is like, oh, come on, don't be in, uh, don't be an Adolf Quitler. <laughs> 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 this show, by the way. This show, by the way, not like that. Not like that show at all. It's very dark. It's yeah. so dark. It's kind of um, good. I, I, it, it, it was, it's neat. Like The show takes itself seriously except for the tick. And the guy, like the Peter, what's his name? Uh, I got to know from Shaun of the Dead. And uh, I think he voiced Darth Maul. Um, he, uh, he's having so much fun. I mean, he just yeah. reeks of how much fun he's having doing this role. Because like, he comes in at work every day, every day and overacts the hell out of something, and they're like, great, cut! Mm-hmm. You haven't lived until you've seen like a like a gritty, you know, doc crime scene, you know, where, and, oh, gosh, all these dudes standing around with, like, submachine guns and whatnot. And then suddenly, it looks like a, a scene out of Daredevil, mm-hmm. and then suddenly there's the tick, and he's screaming, stop your evil ways! <laughs> <laughs> I love the dude that shoots him, and the bullet ricochets off of him and hits the guy, and he goes, that one's on you, friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. My, my favorite part in the pilot ended up being he uh, when they it, he opens the door, and there's like 15 of those guys in there, and they open fire at once, and he just laughs. He just laughs. Just, <laughs> that laugh is oh, it's just great. And, you know, unlike Warburton, this dude actually sounds like the tick who was on the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Or a lot like him. So, anyway, it's not DC, but there's some DC parody in there, and uh, it's it's a damn fine show so far. But it's pilot season, so, you know, they want you to go, and they're offering it for free right now. Yeah. Anyway. Once, uh, once the time comes, you will have to have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Exclusively. Will. Which you will. is useful anyway. It's a fine, fine thing anyway. Um, <laughs> so, kind of DC-related... Oh, good. I I would say mostly DC mostly DC related. Uh, oh. James Gunn, uh, director of Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel, mm-hmm. says he has been offered DC movies. Yeah, he says he hasn't said yes to anything. Uh, not sure he would at this time because he's you know deep into the Marvel shit, obviously. But right. um, he's talked about projects that would appeal to him if he were to do one, which I kind of get the feeling like maybe he's kind of fishing around, you know. Mm-hmm. But he says he's always wanted to do Shazam, Metal Men, Swamp Thing, and Jonah Hex. Oh. And he would also like to do the Cassandra Cain Batgirl. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> like, we've made no bones about it on this show. We're Marvel fans, and we love James Gunn, too. Yeah. So, yeah, do any of those things. Come on. Like, we've got room for you over here. What are, what are your demands? Make mine Marvel. Make mine Gunn. Right. 
What are, what are your demands? Right. Just list them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, real quick, I uh, I was on the Pursuit of the Trivial podcast. Terrible audio. Like, <laughs> my brother-in-law Spencer runs that show. He just called me. He's taken to just, like, he doesn't, you know, he's got a kid. He's got a kid on the way. And he's taken to just recording conversations on his phone for podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> And he, he called me the other day and woke me up. I was like, huh? And he was like, hey, uh, you want to talk about the Olympics? And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know anything about the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> we I, had like an 18-minute conversation. Yeah, we had like an 18-minute conversation about how we didn't know what was happening. That's fantastic. <laughs> and the audio is bad, but it's a fun conversation. Right. Uh, that that is up. We, I've thrown that up on our uh, our Facebook page. I'll try to figure out how to put that up on our uh, actual page. Uh, before jumping into the news, full fledged, we are sponsored by Loot Crate. The uh, deadline has passed for the last um, for the last theme, but it's a uh, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for Epic Geek and Gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. Um, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. LootCrate.com forward slash giant size team up. Uh, enter the code giant size team up, and uh, yeah, you guys know what Loot Crate is. Do get it. Get it on. Go on and do it. So, uh, we have some Batman v Superman news, kind of. Uh, Deborah Snyder, Mark Hughes from Forbes just released this interview that he did with Deborah Snyder, uh, I don't know, a few, few months ago, several months ago. Uh, she doesn't really say a whole lot new if you've been listening to us. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, oh, Superman isn't dark. And that headline's come in kind of going around a lot. Like, Superman isn't dark. Okay. Well, what she's saying is Superman isn't dark. It's the world around him. And he's like taken aback by how much scrutiny he's under for just doing good deeds, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same like defense of BVS that we've been giving pretty much. Yeah. And it's fine, but, um, not terribly newsworthy. And also for about half of the time, she kind of sounds like she's an idiot. Because she she says stuff like, Oh, I didn't realize when it was on the when I was reading the script every day, but when I saw the movie I was like, Oh, this thing's got layers or some <laughs> I was I read I, whatever she said exactly, I was like, Oh man. No, that, but, that um, happens though. I know it happens, it just it doesn't sound great. It just just didn't come off well. <laughs> didn't. But uh, you know, I this is stuff that we've been talking about forever. Um I kinda feel like if you'd You've made up your mind if you haven't seen it at this point, and if you still haven't seen it and you do want to watch it, the Ultimate Edition is 15 bucks right now on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, there's the cliff. Jump. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad has officially passed $500 million. Uh, it's currently <laughs> It's currently sitting at 572683335 worldwide. It's not bad. Um, new. Uh, it's number one third week in a row. So, nah, not bad at all. Uh, lots of people are, you know, hooray, screw the critics. This is what happens. And then, like, the critics are saying, it has no legs. There's been nothing coming out. <laughs> Take it all for a grain of salt, guys. Just go enjoy the movie. If you didn't, I'm sorry. It's got legs of, made of millions of dollars of, of stacks of bills. <laughs> yeah. Just, just I mean, giant this stacks is, of leg bills. At this point, it's outpaced Captain America the Winter Soldier, apparently. That's what oh. they say. I don't know. Um, yeah. Which Winter Soldier might be the best comic book movie I've ever seen? Yeah, really, honestly. I mean, whatevs. They've all got like new mints of money. They're just 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 printing it off, <laughs> printing off money now. You know, it's sad though. They still uh, Jer- probably haven't made their money back at five seventy two. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, Jared Leto he is saying that they cut out his gold underwear. Apparently, Joker had gold underwear. But uh, it's PG-13, so they had to cut it out. I was kind of looking forward to and, that. Um, I want to see what gold underwear looked like. Yeah, and, uh, well, you know, go find a Mormon somewhere. I don't know. But he says they had to cut yeah. it out because because it was a PG-13 movie. And the interviewer says, for gold underwear? And he goes, ah, there was a little more than that. <laughs> you can have underwear and uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Underwear and an unsightly Joker bulge. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, Jared. By the way, there's been some controversy uh, over Jared Leto reportedly saying, like, F him or whatever about Warner Brothers. That's been taken out of context, so, you know. Uh, he was talking about his contract where he wasn't supposed to go rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was kind of making it out to be like, oh, he, they cut footage, so F him. No, it wasn't that. It was it was a different part of his contract that yeah. he was willing to say F him about. But <laughs> And incidentally, those are extremely standard parts of contracts. Hey, mm-hmm. we're, we're putting a lot of money in your face. Don't hurt it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know what? I think if he did go rock climbing and, like, really messed up his face, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, you could totally use that in this film. Oh, yeah. Like, they could come back and be like, oh, man, what did you do this time? Mm, poor Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Christian Fuentes on Facebook, our buddy over there, said, Just saw Suicide Squad. It was a load of fun. Loved Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Captain Boomerang was a perfect scumbag. I'm not <laughs> in love with this version of the Joker yet, but I still enjoyed seeing him on screen. I'll be honest, though. At the time, I thought the film had the right amount of Joker. Though I found his relationship with Harley to be less abusive than I expected. Yeah, apparently that was... um. There was a lot more of that in another cut, and it did not do well. Like... People didn't like that. Yeah. So well, they, they cut a lot of that out. They've done, like I said, they did codependency uh, with just extreme graphicness. So, um, and yeah, that's what that's what it looks like. It ain't pretty. Yeah. Uh, he says, I feel so much better about this than how I felt with BBS the first time around. I may have some problems with the film, but the fun I had definitely outweighs any negatives I have. I want a sequel. I want a sequel and this Blu-ray. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. Sounds right. All of that. Absolutely. Um, I just I want so many deleted scenes, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope they just warn everybody that the deleted scenes are a little more graphic, and then you know, underwear and everything. Throw them all in there, man. <laughs> uh, so moving on to Justice League news, there is some talk going around about Jeff Johns' role in Justice League and Wonder Woman as far as the writing process has gone. Um, L. May and B over on the Wrap said uh, Jeff Johns was recruited by the filmmakers themselves to work on these movies, according to sources close to the studio, and did not pitch or assign himself to the projects. The fact that these, uh, the fact that three different filmmakers asked for Johns' input should speak volumes for fans, since a comics savvy guy will play a critical role in shaping the upcoming DC movies, even if he's arriving too late to influence this year's two projects, which have taken a drubbing from critics. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I care know. who called whom. I don't give a damn. As long as John's gets in the room, it's fine. Well, I do like the the fact that the filmmakers kind of called him. Because I mean, yeah, that's cool. That shows that they're you know self awareness, egotistical assholes. Yeah. yeah, like hey, we need help. You know, what? no, Even I can I do this better than the guy was... who's been doing it well for like thirty years. Right. Yeah, I think if On I was making a movie try. for DC. Hell, even if I wasn't making a movie for DC, if I was making a movie for Marvel or Star Trek or whatever it was, I would probably call Jeff Johns and be like, hey man, how's my structure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could be also, filming Toy Story 4 and still it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe call Johns and go, hey, do I, do I have the pacing right on this, man? Check this out for me. <laughs> um, so Mark Hughes at Forbes um, is basically saying on Twitter that like Affleck's main contribution was to his character and to the uh connection on the solo film but john's was messing around with more with tone and it was that was over a series of tweets he says i can't go into details here uh but they're working to ensure it has the right tone etc um mark hughes of course is one of the is forbes magazine reporter uh goes over he went over to the justice league set he's a He's a proponent of the DCU films. He likes them. Like, dude, I've seen, I've read in his comment sections where he's talking to people. Like, <laughs> this this dude just like has examined the hell out of Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Done the research. So, I mean, he's just he's got a really good grasp of narr- narrative, man. He's just. <laughs> smart guy watched it a few times huh? yeah he's a smart guy which is weird because then i saw in his tweets that he went to like a guns and roses show i was like really anyway oh, uh, I, <laughs> they did like a reunion thing recently that apparently was just uh for anyone who cared it was just wildly entertaining yeah i you know like everyone was surprised that a axel was still alive and that b he could still move around for three hours <laughs> while singing those notes and like without was it stopping. slash uh, was yeah, it slash, slash or was, was it there. Buckethead? Slash was there. Oh, yeah. 
They 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 got oh. the whole. I mean, the, you know, they actually did a, a reunited show. Oh, okay. And um, I mean, I've never been a big fan, but at least it wasn't Buckethead this time. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I've uh, it's never been my style, but um, I was impressed that at that age he could run around for three hours. I'm told he changed shirts like forty times in the course of the show, because like by the end of the by like the <laughs> middle of the first song, he was already sweating through his his shirt, and then he just. Oh, moved. I thought you meant because Axl Rose's. The male version of Cher. No, no, nothing fashion oriented. <laughs> he was just like soaking shirts, but he got it done. He got it done. Damn it, that's impressive. Oh, I, I, I heard it really was. Hmm. So over to the Flash movie, uh, not the TV show. Uh, Variety is apparently reporting an exclusive, um, which is not an exclusive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that Cyborg is going to be in the Flash movie. Uh, then, oddly enough, uh, director of the Flash, Rick Famuyiwa, says. Uh, on Twitter, in reference to it, I guess, hashtag says who? <laughs> well, my response to that is Deborah Snyder in a Mark Hughes Forbes interview. <laughs> That's who? That's. Your boss. <laughs> Your boss said who? That's, this shit was reported on last year. Right. I, <laughs> now, I mean, if I don't know. I mean, you know. And it, they, it, he could actually have pulled the play. It's possible that they got into it, decided that it was too distracting. I mean, it could be one year old, and while, uh, during the process, they decided, you know what, this is not a good idea. Like for budgetary reasons, we can't afford making cyborg cyborg. Or for anyway, blah, blah, blah. anything yeah. could have happened. It could actually be not true, yeah. or it could just be trying to mislead you for the hell of it. Just, just trying. Yeah, trying to push that yeah. rock uphill. Absolutely. I mean, look at all the uh, all the footage we don't have of Joker right now. Right. Anything can happen, cats. Yep. It's all up in the air. Mm-hmm. Over to Aquaman, Will Beal, the uh, script writer, is talking very briefly about it. Um, they asked if uh, any elements of Aquaman were in flux pending developments in Justice League. Beal says, uh, no, no, they know what's happening. Everybody knows what's happening, so it's not that. It's working out uh, It's working out what's, gonna be, what's going to make the best movie. So, you know, again, looks like Johns and, I mean, which Johns is co-writing that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just all working on that. I love to freak out yet. You know, I've always I've heard Kevin Smith talk about this a lot of times. The um, like when he was asked to write um, that Superman Lives uh, draft, I guess we'll call it now. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted him to write it because he was a movie guy, but he knew comics. But he even suggested at the time, like, man, there's these comic guys that know, and the you know the suits were all like, ah, they're comics guys. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with movies. You made a movie about erections <laughs> for an hour and a half. You clearly you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we like that Superman bit in Mallrats. Right. Oh, um, the one where you talk, where you, the postcoital Superman conversation. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I, I love that we're past that, and it, it keeps showing over and over again that we're past that. Every time, every time mm-hmm. Jeff Johns gets to an, another, into another room. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If, <laughs> if the movies getting closer to the comics means that the critics are angry, that's okay. It's, yeah, that's we'll all live without that. I I sleep okay no matter what the Rotten Tomatoes says if I like the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, jumping over to television, I guess, uh, Gotham, they are going to have a new club that's going to be run by Tabitha and Barbara. It's going to be called, uh, Sirens, hmm. which is a, uh, is in honor of the Gotham City Sirens book. Um, it's going to be a club where all the bad guys can just kind of hang out. Oh, they've got their, like, proto iceberg launch? Yeah, yeah. And, uh. I bet it's going to become that, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jessica Lucas, who plays Tabitha, says these two together are just crazy. They're going to get up to no good. And it's kind of the hangout for all the villains and criminals in town. Uh, she also says she hoped to work more with uh, Selena Kyle and Fish Mooney and the Riddler. She says, uh, what I really like about this season is uh, I think she's going to be purely in her element this year. I think this, I think that whole roller coaster ride that has led to this point she feels like i've been through that and now i own my right to be in gotham have my club and just be killing it a little bit right now you know hmm. literally killing it <laughs> i don't know why i'm saying it's so weird <laughs> um, put, put a stake in that one yeah um <laughs> literally killing it aaron richards says that's uh barbara yeah <laughs> she described them as the baddest bitches in town apparently um sure i guess 
Now, uh, the comicbook.com managing editor Lucas Siegel went and looked at the set. He said the set is fully dressed and being used regularly with art and set designers still there tweaking things. It's one of the only thing, or sorry, one of the only sets that doesn't transform into other locations on a regular basis because of its elaborate nature. It's stunning and surprisingly vibrant compared to the, to most sets on, uh, for the show. I, I mean, they had a bunch of pictures. It did look pretty elaborate. It, I mean, I don't know if it, I would call it stunning. Well, um, in comparison, it is a little more vibrant than the rest of the stuff in the show, but it still looks dark. It still looks uh, just teetering on the edge of Schumacher, <laughs> um, <laughs> as that show tends to do. And so far, they're kind of doing that well, where they're just kind of teetering on the edge of Schumacher, but not falling in. Yeah, well, it's um, um feels like the first couple of Batman every now and then, which I kind of yeah. dig. But um, but yeah, Lucas also says Tabitha and Barbara in their own little worlds and sirens. They're not aware of everything that's happening in the city. They're just more into torturing people and having a good time. You know, just a couple of girls out for out for a good evening mm-hmm. of torture. <laughs> it's like a Clockwork Orange in Gotham, but with chicks. Right. That's what it be. Yeah. They've also released uh, they've released a picture of the Mad Hatter's lair. Oh, I saw that. Man, there's a look pretty good. Yeah, there's a bunch of clocks. Uh, I don't know, dolls. <laughs> it looked um, tea kettles. It just seemed bicycles. it, it, it seemed like immediately a, like it was designed by the same people who designed you know, like Riddler's apartment. It does. It does feel like feels, that. Feels stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, executive producer John Stevens had this to say about Hatter. He says, "I feel like the characters an amalgam as much anything." There's a little bit of the reality from the Brubaker books, but also from the New 52 and the Snyder books. There's some of that too. From the Batman Mad series, in terms of the emotional drive that he has, uh, Benedict is definitely taller than most versions of Jervis, but he plays it with the level of naturalistic insanity that I think he really fills out that pantheon really, really well. But there, but no, there's no influence from the games. Okay. See, to me, he mentioned so much stuff, but I'm like, where's my animated series? Yeah. Where's my Roddy McDowell? Yeah, and I tell you, the games actually did just feel like a really hyped up version of of Roddy. The voice did a little bit. I, uh, so Ben McKenzie, <laughs> what? I, so I, you I had just, more. I was just remembering how much I hated some of the Mad Hatter levels. Mm. That bastard couldn't find that door to save my life. <laughs> Something with some cards took me freaking forever. I don't know. Uh, ben McKenzie over on Gotham is saying that Gordon will fall a long, long way in season three. Um. He says, we don't find him in a good emotional state at the beginning of the season. He says, he left season two cleansed in a way by Hugo Strange's psychological deconstruction of him, and he went off to find Lee. We start season three with him finding her, but as with most most things in Gotham, it does not go well. So he feels at sea. We move forward in time about six months, and he's back in Gotham, and the monsters that were unleashed at the end of season two are now running amok, and Hmm. Gordon is a bounty hunter. Uh, he's no longer with the GCPD. He's chasing these monsters down for a prize and collecting that money. He's sort of disillusioned with the whole thing. Um, he's certainly not a villain. He certainly doesn't inflict pain just to inflict it. He has a certain morality, but is far, far away from where uh, we found him initially. He's learning a lot of things, and with each lesson he learns, he takes a step forward. But he also, in some ways, falls apart a bit. Hmm. Um, let's see. Gordon is going to struggle at times to keep it together because of how rough Gotham is and because how few allies he really has. And the subtitle of the season, Heroes Will Fall, is indicative of what thematically we're doing in the season with not just Bruce Wayne and the other heroes, but with Gordon himself. He will fall a long, long way and have to pick himself up again. Um, He's not going to have much of a relationship with Bruce Wayne. They're going to have their own separate uh, missions this season. That's a little bit of a shame. I like their back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Apparently, Valerie Vale is going to be Gordon's love interest in this thing, in this in this season. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's happened so to uh, Leslie. He he said, well, he says Leslie's going to have a new man in her life, as we said, the probably the um, Falcone kid. Uh, he which. Uh, What's his name? Ben McKenzie. Gosh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> said uh, we get to have fun with kind of a love triangle aspect because he's going to be with Valerie and she's going to be with this other guy. Right. Um, let's see. As far as Jim and Harvey are concerned, Harvey is his one conduit to san- uh, to sanity. He's the one person sort of reminding him that, uh, well, Harvey's been in some pretty dark places in his life, too. He's pretty happy sometimes to sort of drift in those places. But even he looks at Jim and says, hey, man, you've got to pull it together. <laughs> 
So I think Harvey's kind of always mentoring Jim and always there for him. Mm, cool. He's a grounding force for Jim. That's good, though. I like it. I mean, in season one, God, Jim was just all black and white, and Harvey was trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get him to ease up a little Dirt bit. Dirt him up a little. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> I mean, hell, I like where we are now. I like where they're going with it, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd like to I see... Like, it's one of the coolest parts in year one is the uh, beating the crap out of uh, Flass. Oh, man. Right? We're just taking down all those dudes. Just taking down all those dirty cops in that parking garage. Yeah, it was fun, too. And then taking down Flass. Like. Just the beating flat. I love the speech he gives himself on the way home, too. Like, no, he'll never tell anybody. Yeah. Um, But, man, like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's been fun to see him fall this far. I like I like him dirty. Mm. Be more rewarding when he's all commissioner in black and white later. Right. <laughs> So Corey and Michael Smith gave an interview uh, talking about uh, Edward and Penguin. He says the dynamic is going to change so much their friendship is just kind of starting. And Oswald was this refugee and then he disappeared. So now there's this time jump into season three. I'm out of Arkham as a free man, not a fugitive. So I have this amazing opportunity for rebirth. Um, <laughs> Which means he'll find another way to climb the ladder and kill more people. He says, Oswald gets things done, but Ed is smart. I think the writers are aware of how much we adore each other, so there's a lot of mutual adoration between the characters. It will stay a little funny. I like Gotham when Ed is able to bring in some comedy. He feels really comfortable around Oswald, so we're going to see that side of him emerge. One thing we really wanted to do was tell the story from boy to man. The world of Gotham has gotten Ed down, but he realized that by doing terrible things, he could get what he wanted. <laughs> that just changed That just changed so quickly, and now he's embraced this new life and identity that has chosen him. Once he gets out of prison, there's a sort of calm maturity to, to this choice. That's just, like, one of the steps in becoming a Gothamite. Oh, if I do terrible things, I'll do better here. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How many years in, so, in Gotham? How many good men? How many stayed that way? Yeah. <laughs> So they drop some less creepy pictures of the new Poison Ivy. She's actually in the Ivy Pepper like sweater. Yeah, I saw that. It's still odd. Yeah, it's still odd, but at least it doesn't feel like they're saying, Hey, welcome the new sex pot to town. Yeah. <laughs> that was that that was a glamorous shot, that first one that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh Charisma Carpenter is gonna be on Lucifer. I saw. She's gonna be on the fifth episode. Um so was she going to hang out for she a while, or play. just the fifth episode? I think it's just the fifth episode. No. She sounds like she's uh, just a character in the middle of a uh, of a formulaic bullshit show. Mm. <laughs> well, it'll still be nice let me, to see let, her. Let me preach on it a second. Uh, she's apparently going to play partier and former Playboy playmate, Jamie Lee Adrian. Married to a once successful action star, Jamie Lee's demeanor suggests sadness and pain. Or that she's hiding something. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Lucifer will sweet talk her and we'll figure out what she's hiding and so on. And so forth. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they d- showbiz junkies did a, an interview with, uh, the Lucifer EP, uh, let's see, Il- Ildi Modrovich. Oh I'm yeah. I couldn't, I saw that name and just laughed. Oh, we're going to get that wrong. Oh yeah. Um, they wanted to know if the plan was always to bring in the mom. And she says, I wish that I could say, yes, that was the plan, but no, it was not. And then she says a bunch of weird shit. And I'm I'm just going to read it. And I think this is, makes absolutely no sense, well, but I'll, whatever. Well, I'll sort it out together. You know what we realized is that the thing that when I think about religion, you think about kind of squishing all religions together, the yin and the yang of Buddhism and Christianity. There's a feminine energy. There's a female and a masculine energy, and it was important to us to really explore the feminine energy and how that affects Lucifer, not on a romantic level, but as a maternal figure for him. Since you can't really bring God down, maybe we will, never say never. That's why we're like, you know what, let's have mom come to town and see how he reacts to that. There's a line in a book where someone says, your mental operations remind me of a hummingbird. (laughs) So they said, how does he react to that? And she says, it's really the arc of our season. There's going to be many, many, many levels. The thing is, we get to see Lucifer. I doubt that, lady. (laughs) The thing is, we get to see Lucifer. 
We get to see Lucifer now have parental acceptance and love in person. He's never experienced that. You've never seen him, except for Chloe, be truly kind of accepted and loved. And how he reacts to that is interesting because it will make him uncomfortable, for one. But also, Tom plays this great vulnerability, and you just want to love him. He's this rogue, this bad boy, and you want to hug him. So it's very cathartic and satisfying to watch somebody love him unconditionally, which is what mothers do. I didn't know they were going to do that angle, though. thought it was going to be more of a... Uh antagonistic relationship yeah. with his mom. This would be neat. That's what they've been teasing, so... I, uh... I admit I think I like why, that more. Maybe that's why Lucifer is so scared, because he hates that aspect of it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they did actually have Trisha Helfer in, in mind when they dropped the bombshell of, of the mother mm-hmm. at the end. Um, they went through, like, 900 different tangents of the character and then came back to Trisha, so there's that. Uh... <laughs> They asked what the dynamic between Lucifer and Amina deal was going to be. And she says, that's the other thing. Speaking kind of segueing from mom onto the whole family dynamic. Mom, again, it was important to us not to make her this arch kind of character because she's our feminine representative. We wanted her to have complex, real motives that moved her. And the same with the relationship. Her needs are going to conflict with Lucifer's at some point. And Amina deal was sort of more side with mom's needs and goals and desires. So we'll have Lucifer and Amina deals kind of start off the season side by side and then possibly come together, go apart, come together, go apart as families do. That sounds exhausting. A little bit. Uh, they have episode. They have 13 episodes right now, she says. She says, we're definitely going to get a back order. We just don't know how many. It's five or nine, so it's either going to be 18 or 22 episodes this season. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. And they said, does that change how your approach, uh, how you approach it if you're not sure how many episodes you'll have in season two? She says, oh, it's a bear. It's full bananas, if you will. Yeah, we really <laughs> want to know how many episodes there are. Right now, we're <laughs> right now we're building to episode 10 because that's the holiday break, and then we we're sort of a little vague after that, so... We think it's going to be 18, so we have that arc. So we'll just have to plop on a bigger, better four episodes if we get that. But it's not pleasant to not know. (laughs) I have never felt more sympathy for anyone involved in the show than that sentence. It is not pleasant to not know. I completely could see their point there. What what did she expect her to say? Oh, no, it doesn't matter how many episodes we get. We'll just keep going. (laughs) Given the show, I I would think that maybe. even Like, even... As much as we make fun of it, there's at least some damn thing that happened over the arc of the season. I mean, it took them way too long, and it wasn't threaded very well, we thought. And, man, there's just a lot of stuff mm-hmm. we would have done differently about where you put the pieces, but um, at least it was there. Um, yeah. And did manage to get to a cliffhanger. It's like, I, you know, technically, they did everything they were supposed to do for a season. But, um, yeah, if you end up with, like, on the back end of this season, if we feel like we've got four just what the hell did, what, what the hell just happened episodes, and it's a 22-episode season, she just told you in advance that was going to happen. Yeah. If there's four filler episodes, <laughs> you may blame Fox, as you may blame them for so many things. For so many things. Moving on over to Supergirl, they've released a picture of her with Linda Carter as the president on the show. Adorable. It is. It was. It's the internet. It remains there. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on The Flash, the television series, now that the movie news is starting to ramp up on The Flash, I kind of feel like we have to say that now. I don't know why. Uh, Joey King has been cast as Magenta. Uh, she was in Fargo, Independence Day Resurgence. Um, so kind of a movie star coming in. So I don't know if that means we're going to get like just one shot with her or if she's going to be a bigger role. But um, this is a Marv Wolfman and George Perez character from the New Teen Titans back in the day. Hmm. Uh, they're describing her as a teen with a troubled past. Uh, Francis Frankie Kane is a metahuman with the ability to control metal, but her powers come with a dangerous side effect. So, yeah. there's that. <clears throat> um, they did point out in this article, though, that at one point, Magenta formed a new team of rogues, and since they're kind of, they're bringing in Mirror Master and the top, and Dr. Alchemy, mm. There's <laughs> just a lot of casting I've heard about over on Flash right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess it's their turn. It seemed like Arrow was the, the big casting news before yeah which they're bringing in ashley rickards uh to play the top where they're kind of doing a, like a whole gender bender thing on the top because that was always a dude in the comics yeah um i um uh, but she's if i looked around for Rosalind a thousand years Dillon. i couldn't find one fuck <laughs> me either <laughs> this kind of seems kind of cool though okay it's like rosalind dylan is gonna be the top she's gonna be the fourth episode of the flash this year uh She's going to be the Bonnie to Mister uh, to Mirror Master's Clyde. 
Oh, cool. And one of the most dangerous members of the Gallery of Rogues. I don't know why I'm so excited about Mirror Master. I don't know why I'm so excited about Mirror Master, but I really am. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the origin story of Mirror Master they're going to be doing. So there's going to be a struggle between Mirror Master and Captain Cold. Oh, cool. What, back in yeah. the early heisting days? Yeah, I guess we're going to jump back and show that. Job gone wrong. Uh, Andrew Kreisberg is saying that Teddy Sears is probably going to come back. Uh, obviously, we made him the Black Flash on purpose. Mm-hmm. Love working with Teddy Sears. He's such an amazing actor, an amazing person. So much, uh, so much a part of the success of the show last season. There aren't any immediate plans for that, but you can't keep a good Black Flash down. So I'm sure we'll be seeing him in the future. Yeah, he did a good job last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, EP Todd Helbing is uh, talking about why there's another speedster villain on the Flash. He says, I think in general, if you have some of those other metahumans, it gets hard to show how Barry can't get them. If you have another speedster, especially someone like Zoom or Reverse Flash, you need somebody on an equal level to provide you, sorry, to provide that threat that a lot of these other metas do, uh, can't do. Uh, the IGN asked him, how, how are you not going to repeat yourself because of the two you've already had? He says, Savitar is more of a psychological villain in a weird way. I think the Hindu word for Savitar means god of speed. He's all about speed. Everything about this guy is different. I can't go into super detail, but he's not like Zoom or Reverse Flash. Cool. He said, uh, in reference to Dr. Alchemy and Savitar working together, he says, I'll just say that Dr. Alchemy's plan and Savitar's plan are not much different. Okay. Um, he says, last year we got pretty dark with Zoom, and I think we want to go back to more of a season one lightness to it. We still need those darker moments. And I think when you find out what Dr. Alchemy is doing, it sort of pro- it sort of provides that holy shit moment that we really love to have on our show. Hmm. Um, they do have a pretty good amount of those. They, they do them pretty well. Yeah. He says uh, Reverse Flash is his favorite villain on the show because the psychological torment and just the whole idea that I need you to sort of exist, but in that existence, I'm going to make your life a living hell. For me personally, it's the best version of a villain because it's not only about the powers at that point. That's why we try to get some of the psychological aspect in with Savitar. Uh, and Matt Letcher, he's, amaz- he's amazing. You have Tom Cavanaugh, his performance, which is every time he just knocks it out of the park. And then you have this different version, and they're both playing the same guy. Even though they're different, if you were to take them and overlay them together, it's like the perfect version. I just enjoy working with Matt so much. Yeah, he's, he has been fun. Um... Deadly right about Tom Cavanaugh too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, they asked him. Reverse Flash is such a big de- uh, such a big and important part of Flashpoint, the comic. How are you going to reverse? How are you going to use Reverse Flash in your story? Uh, he says, when we stopped Reverse Flash, we did something with him. You'll discover exactly how Flashpoint is able to exist. Every time we get any of those big iconic moments in comic books, we have to take it and use the spirit of it and figure out the way to do it in our show. This is no different. Mm-hmm. Um. And talking about how many episodes, he says how much, uh, sorry, much like in the Earth 2 episodes, they were fun. A lot of fun. I loved both of those episodes, but we couldn't do a whole season half in Earth 2. In that same regard, I don't think it would be the best version of the show if we did half the season, almost the whole season, in Flashpoint. That said, the things that Barry changed in the timeline really do ripple throughout the whole season. And that's really the depth I can go into. (laughs) It'll all make sense after you watch the episodes. Okay. As long as it makes sense, guys. We're watching you. (laughs) um they asked him what can you tease about the themes or some of the things that barry deals with that you guys were really excited about uh uh, you guys were really excited to get into the kickoff this season gosh uh he says the first two seasons are about family family that i had family that i lost now this is really the family that i've created and so this whole idea that barry can change the people in his lives that are important to him by going back in time what barry is constantly learning is the consequences of his actions creatively is such a fertile ground to explore that somebody's life would be like if they actually had something that they lost and what the reality of that is i think oftentimes as people you think one version would be better it's always grass is greener but it's always in barry's world the consequences he's going to remember he's going to know what he's lost at the same time uh he did say that jay garrick and uh jay garrick is free okay the other earths aren't affected uh supergirl's not affected by flashpoint because she's on whatever earth she's on jay garrick and earth three still exists as jay garrick nothing has changed he says, I think now that Barry knows where he is and that there is somebody a lot older than him, a lot more experienced, even though he looks like his father, he's going to use him for advice every so often. Yeah. 
Yes, you also have a musical episode coming up, which fans have been asking for for years now. What are you most excited about getting to take advantage of the musical talents in this way? He says, I mean, if we can get a dance sequence in there on top of it, I would love to do that. <laughs> Listening to Joe as a lounge singer singing and to see Grant, and he was karaokeing first season and even watching Danielle not being able to sing, I'm just really excited to be honest, to see how it all comes together. I know Greg is very close to the story. He's been thinking about it. I don't know how long, probably not just yesterday. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? He's been percolating. Seeing Jesse sing, seeing Grant sing, it's just one of those, like, whoa, we could totally pull this off. I don't, I don't know why we couldn't, I don't know why we wouldn't do this. Let's go for it. This year in general, we're really swinging for the, for the fences. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't, the one thing I didn't didn't understand was, which is something the fans have been asking for for years. I don't recall that, but okay. <laughs> I've been, apparently, there have been people. I'll roll with you. Like, like no, they Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist were on Glee together or whatever. Well, we know, but I, still, I didn't ask for it. I ain't asking for it. I'm not. A, I'm not against it, it but, but I ain't asking for yeah. it. Uh, so we've seen pictures of Colton Haynes on the set of Arrow. Uh, Wendy Miracle is saying that's probably not going to be a thing. Uh, she says that Haynes is working on Fox's Scream Queens. He's not currently set to return. She says we would have Roy back in a heartbeat if the right circumstances come up and the right storyline presents itself. Absolutely. But that's not a thing right now, apparently. She right. says. Um, Will Traval from Jessica Jones, Marvel's Jessica Jones uh, on Netflix. He has been cast as Human Target. Uh, Christopher Chance... Um, <laughs> are you familiar with this guy? No, not really. Uh, is the dude that like is a master of disguise, and he's a, like a detective and a master of disguise, and he takes on the uh, alter ego, or not? He no, not alter ego. What am I talking about? He takes on the uh, the identity of the person he's supposed to be protecting, um, <laughs> to keep them safe. Uh, there there has actually been two TV series about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one in 2010, uh, starring, um, Mark Valley and, uh, that show also had, uh, Shy McBride in it, who was awesome. He's always awesome. Yeah, I obviously like that guy. Um, but in the 90s, there was one that lasted, like, seven episodes starring Rick Springfield. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, again. So, so, freaking Nuke from Jessica Jones is gonna be Human Target in Arrow this season. Um, all right. I actually like that. He's cat, gonna be so why not? Yeah, he's gonna be Oliver's bodyguard. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's one of the but rearrangements saying, of. Uh... Well, they're only saying he's gonna be in episode five. They're saying he's gonna be a guest character in episode five. So I don't know. They're also made me think that Vigilante was only gonna be in one episode. I think last week. So I'm kind of like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what? I totally want Human Target and Vigilante for more than one episode. Right. What are you doing? Um. So, uh, Wendy Miracle and Mark Guggenheim answered some questions about where the Arrow characters are going to be in Season 5. Um, they said, Season 5 deals with legacy. It deals with the past, the dramatic irony, the dramatic tension that we get from uh, is Oliver always been a guy, admittedly not the most self-aware dude ever, but he's always been someone who is trying to move forward. He's always trying to evolve. That's what Mark Guggenheim is saying. You know, I disagree with him, based on the evidence of Seasons 1 through 4. But whatever. I mean, uh, the challenge of he, he, trying to evolve doesn't mean that you don't actually accidentally just devolve to season one every now and then. <laughs> yeah, the challenge for Oliver this year is how do how do you evolve and move forward when the past keeps grabbing at you, trying to pull you back? Hasn't that been the whole point the whole time? That's if it wasn't, what have you been yeah. doing on the show? Um, part of that is going to be striking a balance between his former team members and the new heroes who will be joining Team Arrow. Um, Let's see, for Oliver, he's going to have a team, so we have talked about him having a team of villains, and how would Oliver get his new guys who are really rough around the edges, totally wet behind, to wet around the ears, not ready for this. How does he get them ready to take on really trained enemies? He's very cognizant of the fact that Laurel died in this line of work, and he doesn't want that for them. Guggenheim said that Oliver is trying to be optimistic, trying to be bright, though circumstances keep trying to pull him back into the darkness. 
Um, here's something positive. Felicity, uh, under Felicity, they said, viewers won't have to see any residual ba- baggage from their breakup. We've talked a lot about how to deal with that. We've all, we always play the true five-month gap between the season finale and the season premiere. And every time we've talked about Oliver and Felicity should talk about their feelings, we realize, wow, that feels really wrong because they've had five months to talk about their feelings. Any mature couple, they've had that conversation. Um... <laughs> Apparently they're going to be a lot closer to where they were in season one. Felicity was Oliver's sort of light and voice of reason and voice of positivity, and she's still trying to be that. Again, torn between that aspiration and his own nature and his past uh, is what Oliver is doing. Uh, He said that uh, episode five is probably the most Elicity-centric episode we have, uh, that we will have done in season five so far. He says there's a very Elicity-heavy moment in season, uh, sorry, in episode five. They're adults at the same time. It feels a little like season one. I honestly don't know how many shows have done this where you've gotten two characters engaged, broken them up, but still kept them together on the show as partners. I don't know, a lot? Not plenty. Probably. I mean, just plenty. It sounds like, it feels like a lot. <laughs> That's a good point. It does dicks. feel like a lot, but We're I couldn't cite dicks. a single example if I had to. <laughs> Now I'm trying to think about just team shows. Oh, fuck, I don't know how many times it's been. I, yeah, I do want to um, thank them immediately for having the foresight to, to preempt themselves on that. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, our, they're absolutely right. They would have already had that conversation. If they had done that, you know, we'd have been sitting there thinking, it's been six months. Why have you all not had those conversations? It's just... <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, with Diggle, he'll be in the Army. We'll have storylines with him. Just because he's gone doesn't mean Team Arrow doesn't want him back. Or that they're not trying. There's definitely contact and he's going to have his own story in the army where he realizes maybe this isn't the place. Maybe he's going to have to keep, uh, to still keep looking for these answers about how to get his sense of morality back. Uh, Thea is going to be working as Oliver's chief of staff. The youngest, least, least experienced, no college degree staff in the history of Star City. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she's really good at it, and the fun part with her is that she's Moira's daughter, and Malcolm's daughter, and she's trying to be normal. Can she ever really be normal? It's a good question. With that DNA? Yeah, who knows. She might be a little, maybe a little House of Cards, a little Moira-esque action going on. It might be really fun. Um, that, I don't know why that bores the hell out of me. I don't know, it's better than anything else I've heard from any of her. Like, yeah, previous so, seasons, yeah. it's like, and here's a new love interest. This time it's like, and here's a story she's going to be doing. Oh, thank you. Wow. We should try that out. Right. Uh, as far as Curtis goes, the show has always had this weird, these weird moments of, is this going to work? And if it doesn't work, it's really a disaster. I think Curtis in costume as Mr. Terrific is one of those moments. But what I think <laughs> is so great about Echo is he plays it correctly as is Curtis. He doesn't deepen his voice and suddenly become this badass. He's still true to his character. It doesn't feel like this ridiculous reach. Yeah, I'm imagining him as like... Oh, kind of a Spider-Man, like having way too much mm. fun out there. Doesn't seem like he's taking that. it seriously at all. Because I have been worried until I, something messed up happens. Yeah, and uh, that's fine when you do that to a character. That's fine. Like that's showing a thing, showing an arc. It's it's always actually fun when you do right. it right. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, God, remember Wesley? Uncle Jeez. Ben. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Ben. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, best example of it's probably Wesley, right? Or one of the best, minimally. But uh, I. Uh yeah, from Buffy and Angel. Yeah, yeah. I I have uh, been worrying about that too. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad to hear they're concerned about that because I was wondering like when he gets in the costume, is he gonna try to you know tough up or what? Like what's he gonna do? Because yeah, the, the guy's mm-hmm. so much fun the way he's playing it. Um, I wondered if they would like have something really bad happen to him. So when he got in the costume, it, like it was gonna be a big deal. Like maybe they kill his husband or something. I don't yeah. know. But right, I'm kind of yeah, I'm looking forward to that now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of looking forward to this, but not really. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, they do something with it, but Quentin. He said, Quentin is going to break your heart this year. He's still dealing with Laurel, and he's going to play a role in the mayor's office. But he's probably at his, and they trail off, and then they say, he's in a dark place. Well, yeah. You been paying attention to what happened to this guy? Yeah. I'd be more worried about him if he wasn't in a dark place. <laughs> so they're saying that the uh, flashbacks are going to be really gritty and dark this year. Uh... We really wanted to go gritty, dark, and make it feel very real. Uh, we're dealing with the Bratva, and the Bratva is, as we all know, a pretty interesting and messed up institution. I might get shot for saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Cover up, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People do Yakuza storylines all the time, and they're still hanging around. You'll be all right. Uh, to prepare for the flashbacks, they said everyone on staff watched the 2007 film Eastern Promises. Oh, good. I watched... 
I watched documentaries about Bratva and how they operate in Russian prisons. Okay. I haven't seen the documentaries by any stretch, but that was a good film. Was it? Yeah. Didn't understand half of what the language that was in it. I kind of like kind of like that. Like half, I swear half of it was in Russian, and I either didn't turn the captions on or mm. didn't bother reading them. But, um... <laughs> and there's, um. A, there's, a, there's, a, there's a nude fight scene in it that is absolutely, like, it's... It's A, hilarious, because it's it's a, it's a nude fight scene. And B, absolutely just action-packed. Like, you can't help watching the damn nude fight scene. It's hilarious. Like, you mm. go between wanting to laugh at it and then thinking, oh, that's a cool move. And yeah. then there's a lot of ooh, keep keep your keep your penis out of the way, man. Keep keep the keep the pe- keep the penis out of the way. You're just very worried about their equipment. Yeah, I can see that. Visceral mm-hmm. reaction. So on uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, Miracle says Dolph is a government strongman. He is scary and formidable, and he had a role in some stuff with Tyana's family last season. He's a bit of a badass. It's about what I expected. Yeah, I they just kind of like changed the flavor on him and recast him. He's always blah 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 blah, a bit of a badass. <laughs> yeah. Over to Legends of Tomorrow, there was a Phil Klimmer interview uh, on whether Sarah, because we, we've already gotten confirmation that Damien Dark is going to be in the Legion of Doom this season. Mm-hmm. So on whether Sarah and Damien Dark will have a confrontation, he says, it's unavoidable, it's inevitable, it's interesting. Sarah really has taken an unexpected leadership position within the team. I think it was clear that she and Rip had a great dynamic, and in a way, we realized that he was grooming her all along. She is meant to be a Time Master, and so her evolution from Assassin to Time Master is really rocked when she has a chance to backslide. Killing Damien Dark, that's what the old Sarah would have done. We want to force each of our characters with a chance to backslide. In the same way, Mick Rory has evolved, but when he meets Snart, that's like an invitation to backslide. So if all of our characters are in recovery, we want to put that first drink in front of them and be like, are you committed to being a hero or do you want the team to team up with Leonard Snart and go back to robbing banks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to commit to being the leader of this team, Sarah? Or do you want to do what your heart is telling you to do, which is to put a bullet in this guy's head and save your sister's life in 2016? Not to get too heady about it, but Damien Dark and every bad guy is not as simple as killing him in the past and saving your sister in the future. It seems like that would be the metric, but even bad guys have unforeseen consequences on history. Our team are time masters now, and they're presumably following the playbook that Rip has handed them. You can't just kill people because you don't know the butterfly effect from removing a person like Damien Dark. Who knows what unforeseen consequences that had? So it's all about your selfish agenda versus your time master agenda. I kind of... Part of me wants a scene like early on in Legends of Tomorrow, somewhere in the first few episodes where like you find Rip in his in his office looking at like one of the screens with Gideon and just going, "Damn it, Barry!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. And then like somebody comes in, "What's what's up? Nothing, nothing, nothing." Gideon, put that file away. Um, is it also bad that <laughs> no? What's happening? And Rip just and unleashes a time wraith and says nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Lets it out of the cage at the back. Right, that's what I saw. It was like, like an actual like a cage that a time wraith wouldn't be trapped in, yeah, or shouldn't be trapped in, it's like, like a little dog, cage like a dog back. kennel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just like undoes the latch. It's not even locked, just latched. Slides the latch out. <laughs> it's the sound of a time wraith escaping. <laughs> <laughs> the um, it, you know, as far as Mick and Rory go, the sad part is I don't care what decision he makes. I would watch the show either way. Mm-hmm. If if he went back to robbing banks with with uh, with Snart, I, 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 we would just do that show. That'd be fine. Yeah, I would take a few episodes of them doing bank heists. Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> just got so damn attached to those guys. They said, "What are the chances we will see Sarah meeting the Black Siren?" Glimmer says, "Hmm, I have not considered that yet. I can't give you the odds on that." And then they wrote, "Editor's note: We're not sure if he's joking or not, or if he's just being coy, <laughs> <laughs> or we may have just helped." crack a story i don't know um every, that's got to happen in interviews every now and then some of the some interview ask are you ever going to do this and this like i i wasn't but that's a great idea right and then what you say instead is i don't know maybe <laughs> but if i walk away i don't have to give you story by credit you know it'd be badass and i say this knowing that most people don't want this mm-hmm. including myself except if they did it a certain way it would be really badass uh, you know how in the comics there's no sarah lance mm-hmm like Sarah should rewrite history to where she exists outside of space and time, but she actually just rewrites history. She like has to sacrifice herself for some reason, 
and there was never a Sarah Lance in Arrow anymore. <laughs> uh, big points for source material. Ooh. Anyway. Or, or, and I don't see how it'd be possible, but just, just for you, um, uh-huh. they go back and it's Sarah Lance, but it's actually that girl they cast in like the first episode of Arrow. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> I don't think it's doable, because I, I, I suppose she would have already been born by the time. I think Sarah should already have been born by the time Flash goes back to... Like, yeah. unless she's, like, seven or eight years younger than Barry, which I don't see. Yeah. I think that's how it would work. It'd be cool as if they just did... I think it would be cool if they just did a thing where, like, we do go back and we meet the chick who was Sarah in mm-hmm. the first season. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Like the first couple seasons, the first season of Arrow happened in a different timeline. <laughs> anyway, that'd be nice. Don't worry about that. Uh, this not happening. We're no, just, no, just just one of those loose ends. It's never going to be tied up. Uh, how much of the action in season two might take place in the present day? Clemmer says I'd say precious little. Obviously, you want to check in with the other shows, which might exist, which exist in the present day. But aside from that, season two, I think. Is much more about really leaning into the fun romp through history. Do you remember the show Voyagers? I do not. Mm, I was weaned no. on that version of time travel, and so for me, having a time machine means that I want to go to a famous place in history and meet famous people. I do not. That's the fun <laughs> we're really trying to lean into, as opposed to going to the future, which is effectively sci-fi. I would like that. We want to live in history book history, I think, in season two. I do not. <laughs> it just depends on how well you do it. Does that history involve characters from the DC Universe past? For example, last year's Jonah Hex episode was really popular. Yeah, we'll certainly be checking in with our friend Mr. Hex again. Yay! Boo. Or as David <laughs> boo. <laughs> uh, is there any chance we'll see Connor Hawk again? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> saying that just made me want to say yes immediately because mm-hmm. that was so much fun. Yeah, we have an embarrassment of riches on the show. Now that we have the JSA, we have an awful lot of people to give story to. That kind of sounds like, I want to, but no. <laughs> hmm. um, our philosophy in this season is slightly different, in that instead of trying to divide up the pie evenly between our eight legends, or however many JSA members, we really want to focus on individual storylines of two or three characters, and let the other characters recede into the background, knowing that they'll get a big episode the next week. Now that we know everybody, we want to be... Sorry, we want to really dig deeper. We want to give Stein and Jax their own episode. We want to give Nate his own episode. We want to give Sarah and Dark their own episode. It's okay if somebody is light in one, knowing that the spotlight will hit them in the next. I think that will make for a, a better show, honestly. I do. I do. I agree. Um, how awesome is it that you're getting Lance Hendrickson on your show as Obsidian? He says, he's half Norwegian and so am I, so I feel like we're going to be bo- or we're going to bond. As I said in my letter to try to encourage him to take the role, I was like, you have been in three of my top ten movies. I mean, you were in the right stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, in the comic books, Todd Obsidian is gay. Is he going to be gay in the series? He says, yeah, that's certainly our intention. We haven't written the episode yet, but yeah, that is the intention. <laughs> All right. So they've also released, Guggenheim released a picture of the Atom. On a on horseback, his costume <laughs> looks like it's from feudal Japan. Yeah. And Googs wrote, this show is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, just kind of thought, s- poor horse. Uh, <laughs> I guess, a little it, bit of, like, for for some hmm. reason, I imagine his equipment as being kind of heavy, but I guess it really shouldn't be. It's, it's probably lightweight I mean, materials. Yeah, it's probably like, what, fiberglass, something? I don't even know. Right, some fake material of some kind yeah so nbc's powerless there's some news the showrunner has left yeah that's not a good sign no and they said it was mutual if i recall but that yeah a mutual decision between ben queen who is the showrunner the network nbc and the production company wbtv Mm -hmm. so um I don't, like, there are people out there who are saying, oh, man, this sucks because we liked A to Z. That was also canceled really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that Powerless is canceled, but uh, it probably will be. <laughs> no, I mean, it was it was just supposed to go into production, like, soon. Yeah. And, um, yeah. This doesn't help. So, or maybe it does help. I'm just saying, like, this dude, like, I don't know his body of work. Um Everyone just keeps saying he the canceled too soon A to Z. I'm like, uh huh. With the girl from who's the mother on How I Met Your Mother. I liked her on How I Met Your Mother. Don't know her though from A to Z. Didn't watch A to Z. Mm-hmm. Don't know anything about it. Uh, can't say it was great. Can't say it was 
terrible. Uh, um, no, I had I've, I've had nothing. But could be the best show I've never seen. Yeah, but losing a showrunner is never good at this point in the process. It's just not. No, it's not a good sign. Uh, few shows really recover from that kind of shit. Um, the Walking Dead, notwithstanding. Well, they so. recovered. I mean, they had already gotten a season out. Um, yeah. I mean, when you've got a season under your belt, and that's one thing. Yeah. But um, of course, they've lost like three showrunners three yeah, years in a row or they, something those crazy things like that. Are, so. They, yeah, they leave fast. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, uh, I, but losing I, them right I before do. it does have a, at least one advantage. Um, if you've lost them just before, you know you haven't started mm-hmm. yet. If you get somebody in there pretty quick, right? So you can start from scratch. There's that. Um, I'll post this video on our. Fa- oh, sorry, I've already posted it on the Facebook page. You guys should be fans on Facebook anyway. We're like halfway to thirteen thousand likes over there. But guys, I post news like every day. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I posted this video there. I'll post it on our in our show notes here. Justice League action interviews. They had interviews with a number of people, including Kevin Conroy and Alan Burnett. Uh, Alan Burnett is talking about developing it as an action show, getting into the thick of it, bringing in comedy, then bringing in a little more comedy. They talk. They they talk for a good six seven minutes. It's a really fun set of interviews uh, with clips from the shows. Uh, uh, Kevin Conroy, I almost just called him Batman, <laughs> talks about how fun it is being as heavy and dark as Batman is, contrasted with all the other characters. Yeah. He says Batman is so heavy that if anything ridiculous is going on around him, all he has to do is raise an eyebrow and he gets a huge laugh. Right. Um, so just playing that tonally in his voice is, is really cool. But yeah, it's really, really interesting and fun. I won't go into all of the specifics here. Cause a lot of it is just, you know kind of obvious stuff but with the clips and everything it's kind of fun to watch um they've also released a somewhat of a trailer more of a commercial than a trailer for batman return of the cape crusaders if you don't know what that is guys adam west and burt ward are coming back they've already come back for a new adventure it's coming out uh cobra 11th in digital uh november 1st on blu-ray um it's a new animated movie with Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. I don't know what you want. Julie Newmar's coming back as Catwoman. Why aren't you already pre-ordering this? Um, <laughs> video games. We got Injustice 2, Harley, and Deadshot trailer. Harley and Deadshot are coming into Injustice 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude. They look good. I, yeah, they look good. And, you know, I didn't really care much about the Deadshot stuff, but... Uh, the Harley special move, sicking the, the hyenas. <laughs> that was that was charming. That was amazing. Um, yeah. Gosh, they're doing it right over there. Yeah. Uh, that is all the news I have for this week. We did get two more uh, reviews, which brings us up to seven on this giveaway. Getting there? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first one is from Jedi Master Kal-El, <laughs> who writes, Touche, podcasters. Touche. Love me some solid, honest DC podcast with great humor. Happy to add this to my regular listening. Keep it up, fuckers. That's the spirit. <laughs> I would, I would lobster. gladly put that like on our website as a uh, as a major endorsement. Keep it up, fuckers. Right. <laughs> lobster Johnson, who has been a he has been a naysayer on on the iTunes reviews before, writes getting better all the time. I crapped on these two in the past, but they're getting better every week. Well done, boys. <laughs> yeah, now that we're offering some shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Thank you for saying that. That's nice of you, man. Um, so those two more people uh, entered into the um, giveaway. Brings us up to seven. We Three more, guys. Three more, and one of you guys are going to get a trade paperback DVD or Blu-ray of your choice. $15 or under. Um, and guess what? BVS right now, 15 bucks. So, I mean, Just saying. Come on. Just saying. Easy peasy. Takes you three minutes. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Um, shoot, man. I think that's all I've got this week. You got anything else? No. That was pretty... Uh, I, th- I thought that was thought that was thorough. It was thorough. Is that a is that a nice way of saying it was boring? No, no, that's uh, <laughs> it's a nice way of saying it was long. Oh, actually, that's not even true. It's about average for us. It is about average. Yeah. We didn't have too much. Uh, I was expecting I a lot more movie stuff, but um, bloatware. Yeah, fair amount more movie stuff. Uh, I thought would be coming, but 
All right. Yeah, which there's, you know, there's plenty of Suicide Squad stuff, but most of it was just people fighting about whether or not the movie was good. Yeah, and that's just, uh, yeah, let them fight. What are we going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I dig them. Yeah. At least the last two. Man of Steel's okay. <laughs> I still liked it. I like Man of Steel. I just, you know, I have issues with it. Yeah. Like, bigger issues. That's the thing. It's like, on the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, on, like, critics, like, Man of Steel's, like, the least egregious one to them, and I'm like, it had the most issues. What the are you most talking flaws. about? <laughs> it's literally the most flaws. Um, anyway. <laughs> there's so much, like, it's getting to the point where there's so much, like, Marvel versus DC, DC versus Marvel. Like, we're getting, like, we get people on our Facebook page who are just, like, pissed yeah just like f you guys with your marvel loving and i haven't even mentioned marvel i don't even know what they're talking about but they're mad about something <laughs> and uh I'm, I'm gonna have to write an open letter or something like <laughs> some, some big like flower in barrel letter you know yeah because like, we gotta stop the hate guys at the end of the day we're all just a bunch of nerds reading about people running around in spandex yep one love Okay, so, guys, remember to go and give us iTunes reviews, five-star iTunes reviews, if you think we deserve that shit, which, you know, I think we do, because I'm an egotistical asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave works really hard. Go give him something. <laughs> five-star written review on iTunes, and that gets you entered into a giveaway, $15 or less on trade paperback, Blu-ray, or DVD of your choice. $15 or less, like I said. Um, we'll do the giveaway we'll, on the week that we have 10, because this one person out of 10 gets this thing. We mm-hmm. do a r- random number generator. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, you're not going to be here next week. No, not not likely. Not likely. Works, yeah, uh, so. works, works about to tick up on me for just a second, so um, i gotta, I got to get that reeled in. Mm-hmm. So, um, Unless someone just sends me we, a giant chunk of money. Feel free. <laughs> you guys do have the option to do that. Like Facebook is pretty amazing these days with their ability to do that. Anyway, right. right. Um, we are gonna we we have Scott Madison lined up to be on the show next week in your stead. Um, though greatly missed, you will be. Oh, I'll miss it. I really will. But uh, we are DC on screen. You can find every episode of DCOnScreen.com. Uh, you can ch- find us on iTunes and Stitcher as well, or pretty much wherever. Like, I was looking around different podcast catchers. I didn't even know we were on. Yeah. Like, you, I was, like, finding different things and being like, oh, my God, there we are. <laughs> we're on a couple of the general listings that kind of spread it out. Yeah, I think it was, like, Overcast or something I found, and I like, looked at it, and I was like, we have, like, a ton of followers on here. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for you, Internet. Thanks. <laughs> so anyway uh we're proud members of the giant size team up network giant size team up.com uh go check out our friends steve west and jacob raspberry at the screen explosion podcast there's a link to that on dc on screen.com uh, and go check out the next time comic book television prediction podcast with our buddy scott madison who's going to be on next week uh also linked on our on our uh dc on screen.com our official website uh Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Go DC on screen. How many times can I say DC on screen? No, no. I don't know, but keep some DC on your screen. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Bye. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Look around you, that car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you, and your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.